Good morning. Second service, you showed up today. Wow. I just loved worshiping. You guys created such a sense of God's presence in the room. Thank you for doing that. Just appreciate all of you here today. Um, so our guest speaker, I met Pastor David several months ago. Um, we belong to uh, a family of churches, but I'm also very in touch. Our church is very in touch with a movement out of the United States called ARC, A-R-C, Association of Relat Relational Churches. And they are a church planning movement. We just love uh, Chris Hodges in the States so very much. And there's a Canadian, a new Canadian expression of that. And they were doing a meet and greet uh, in Ottawa. And so I had planned on going. And at the last minute, they changed it and said, hey, we're going to have a breakfast as well in Montreal. Well, not really Montreal, Beaudreuil. Um, and uh, close enough. And so I prefer... Just for whatever reason, if we're going to go to the, one of the big cities, I just love going into the West Island. And I was born there, and there until I was seven or eight, we have family there. So it just feels familiar. And as a church, we have a heart for the province of Quebec um, and uh, for, the prov or for the city of Montreal. And it just for whatever reason, God hasn't allowed us to go in personally, but we've partnered over the years with people that we just recognize, have that apostolic touch on their life, and are making a difference in touching, uh, touching the city of Montreal. And so I went, I chose that one, and we sat really a small group of pastors. Pastor David was at the other end of where I was sitting, and we didn't get an opportunity to uh, share, but in my heart, I was really attracted, because you're so good looking, of course, I was really attracted to him um, in a very godly kind of a way, and, uh, and I couldn't stop, yeah, this is just going to keep getting worse and worse, <laughs> I couldn't stop thinking about him, and, uh, and so uh, uh, in prayer, and as I, as I was praying for him, I just felt the urgency that I needed to meet this young man and see what he was about and hear about his family. And uh, I, I really heard the Lord say, just continue to remind him he's not alone. And, uh, and so we had that connection another day at the same restaurant and uh, felt like I'd known you for a very, very long time. Invited him to come and speak at Harvest because I want you to meet him. And uh, I think that we're going to hear more from uh, Pastor David in the days to come as well as however he and his wife and new family, young family, are seeking God as to uh, what their role might be in the city of Montreal in these days. And so we're here to tell him he's not alone. Would you just stretch your hands out toward Pastor David right now? We just want to pray. Father, I thank you for this great man and his family. And Lord, um, I had never heard him preach. <laughs> until first service. And Lord, that which you had spoken and that which, Lord, I sense and stirred is so obviously upon him. We'll witness to that in a moment as we hear him. I thank you for this vessel that you've brought to speak to us. But Lord, apart from that, we would want to impart something into him today. Lord, that he would know that he knows that he knows that, Lord, he's on the assignment given to him even, Lord, from a day long ago when you planted uh, something in his heart. Lord, about the city that he lives in, about the uh, people, Lord, of his own heritage. And so, Lord, as you unfold that plan today, we would just say, Lord, give him more. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over would be the portion for he and his family and uh, the teams that will be formed in the days to come, we pray. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Stand to your feet, put your hands together, and welcome Pastor David to the platform today at Harvest. Good morning, church. 
Well, by this time, I mean, I hope you've had a good morning. You can take a seat. We'll stand up after. I'll let you know when. You know, a bit of exercise to wake us up. Uh, just had a great time in the first service, and I took a moment in that service to firstly honor your pastors, and I want to say it again. Um, you have great pastors. I, I know Pastor Roy a bit more because we've met, but when you're a pastor, you know what it is like. And um, one thing I can, t I, I can see is that they've stayed faithful to their calling, faithful to this church. Through the good and the bad times, through there was like a minor call going on for two years, I think. Everything, I think everything shut down. Um, but beyond that, uh, he, what he saw was uh, through the eyes of a shepherd. And you have many preachers that are called pastors, many teachers that are called pastors, many prophets that are called pastors. You have rarely, I have rarely seen a pastor that's actually a pastor. And uh, that's what I've seen. And I think we should honor them this morning. If you can just give a hand and never hesitate to walk up to your pastors and, uh, and honor them and thank them for what they do by the power of God. Amen. Hey, what a great song we had. Speak Jesus. I mean, I was fired up. I just felt like having the whole band with me in the car back uh, to Montreal. You know, speak Jesus. That guy's too slow. I speak Jesus. Amen. Speak Jesus over my life. So empowering over my family, over my mother-in-law. Uh, speak Jesus. Amen. Jesus is in the place. And Jesus is at work. I hope you came expectant. I love that video that prepares us for the message. But I hope you came expectant. I mean, uh, I came here to receive from God as much as you did, hopefully. And uh, I just want to reassure you, if somebody invited you, won't do anything weird. But uh, <laughs> as we often do as Christians. But one thing for sure is that you'll, you'll have a revelation from God. And the invitation will be sent out. God sees your heart. God sees your, your life. God has great things in store for you. Beyond what you think about yourself. Beyond where you're at. God is and always will be good. Amen. Now let's, let's stand for the reading of the word together. John chapter 5, verse 1. And if you've seen the chosen series have you seen the chosen series raise your hand yeah great amen share it around there's this uh, there's this episode where you actually see this passage in action and i'll i'll uh, i hope i make it justice as well as the show but you'll get an image of it if you saw the show but verse verse one says sometime later jesus went up to jerusalem for one of the jewish festivals now there is in jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool which in Aramaic is called bethesda which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Verse 3, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to be, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. 
title of the message this morning is Church 2.0. We're getting an update. Church 2.0. And you could subtitle it if you take notes. House of Mercy. House of Mercy. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you that this place is declared a house of God. And I want to declare it a house of mercy. Thank you that the center of everything that we're doing this morning is Jesus. And thank you that you still speak and have fresh revelation, fresh revelation for each and every one of us. We give you all the glory. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Hey, before you sit, take a seat. Just make sure you grab a hand, shake a hand, say, Welcome to church. And be expectant. Great, great. I, I heard uh, I heard we're French Canadian. That's good because it's the second service. Is en français. So uh, yeah, c'est cool. For the rest of you, well, I hope you're patient. No, just kidding, kidding. But it is the second service, and we'll be stretching it out. So hopefully you brought your lunch. But you know. For God, one minute is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a minute. Worst thing to hear from a pastor before he preaches. Hey, uh, is there anybody in this place that uh, as soon as there's a new cell phone that comes out, we've got to talk about iPhone, let's say iPhone, you, you want to buy it, okay? Don't need to be ashamed, raise your hand. Somebody here has iPhone 13, okay, okay, we got the dude over here, the guy. He's the reference. So if you need any advice, don't go to the source or anything like that, go see this guy. Um, but but, but <laughs> true story. But but you see, like we, we live in a world now where uh, things move so rapidly. Technology is moving so rapidly. We used to have uh, the telegraphs, and then we had this kind of phone with this the socket you put on your ear and you speak the other one, and, and then you had the the ones that you you'd spin like a DJ phone, and then, and then, yeah, and then you had the, and before that, I think you had to call, my grandmother used to work at those places, you know, you'd call somewhere, hey, dial me up to, to John on the other end, and they'd plug you in, and some not, if they mixed it up, well, you get to meet someone new, it's awesome, and then they came around with a cell phone, remember those big cell phones, and every time I, I, I meet someone that's in a crowd, there's always someone that says, and I talk about this, there's always someone that says, I had the first one. How do you know he had the first one? You know, the, the, the big phone with the box in the car was $2,000 a minute. Uh, but it's crazy how things progress so rapidly till today. Eh? It's crazy. I mean, the first cell phone I had was the flip phone, the mic. Now the cool guys, the construction guys had that. You know, you could walkie-talkie talk to people. And, and, and then we, uh, we moved to, there was the Nokia with the, you know, the snake game on it. Yeah, remember that? And now we got Candy Crush and whatever. But we got those smartphones now. Finally, hey, finally, hey, phones used to be dumb. Now they're smart. Great. Finally, we got to that point. But we got smartphones now. And, and you got guys. What's your name again? Sorry. Okay, so Dominic. Remember, what's your phone? No. He's the, he's the reference. But you got guys like Dominic, people like Dominic that are always on the edge of technology. And then you have people like me. I've got trouble using Microsoft Word on a computer let alone use a smartphone. 
So when they show up with a new phone, I am not, I'm the first one to say, not, not only am I not interested in buying it, intentionally, I want to show off my old phone. I'm not falling into this trap, okay? I mean, it's almost as if I, I'd be proud to wear around my pager. But, but there's people that always want the latest thing, but then there's people like me, and I'm sure a lot of people identify with this here, that you, you'll, you'll handle this thing, this phone, for a little while. And it's not too bad because you can update it once in a while and it's still working. But you get to a certain point that whatever you've got in your hands might be the latest thing now or back then. At one point, the updates are not enough. At one point, you need to change the whole complete system you've got in your hand. You need to change your phone. You see, I'm using this analogy today because so often with our lives, this is how we treat it. We got this new phone. We got this new life when we came to this first church service or, or, or Bob at the plant told me about God and, and salvation. I got saved. I got this new thing, this, this redemption in me. And, and I come to church every week for an update. It's great. But at a certain point, God is calling us to something greater. At a certain point, God wants to change the system. And, and trust me, speak to my wife. I need multiple system changes. You see, it's good to come and sit here in church and, and get an update. Get a quick fix for your week. But God's initial plan was for you to come in His presence every single time and say, God, I want you to change the complete system in me, my way of thinking my way of perceiving and seeing things in your word and people as I worship you in this life. And I might be going through things and it might not be easy. If you've been around for a while, you'll notice life isn't perfect. But you've got a perfect God that wants to work in your life. And it's easy to come and get an update, but it's something else to get a system change. This is a word that's on my heart. It's a precious word for me because I believe that, you know, through opposition, there's always opportunity. It might sound sketchy, but might sound catchy. But if you look at the past, maybe two years, one and a half year ago, like you know, the COVID pandemic, churches shut down, and and everybody moved online for church. Hopefully, you were following and you were being active in the chat. But I believe that. The, the, the lack of meeting up together physically gave us an opportunity to really look at ourselves and say, do I need a system change? Who do I believe in? My habits have changed now. Why was I actually really going to church? Why do I believe in God? Where's my faith at? I can't get that quick fix anymore like I used to. God, what do you want to do? in me and hopefully you're asking yourself this question this morning because I believe this is a question for the church with a capital C the church in general and I want to invite you this morning as we delve into the word that you don't consider this as a message to the church but a message to you who is the church to me that is the church we are the church and you know you might not see yourself as a church because Especially if you're sitting next to your husband or your wife or somebody that knows you very well. You don't necessarily reflect who God wants you to be every day in everyday life. But you know what? God chose you. It's incredible. God chose you. Out of all the people here in Cornwall, 
God chose you here this morning to be the church. You tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday to be the church. It's time for assistant change. Are you ready, church? Are you ready, church? Amen. Let's go. So we just read the passage, uh, a passage in the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, which is one of the four Gospels. And, and John presents Christ differently than the other Gospels. When we look at Matthew and Luke, they show Christ as King as well as Son of Man. So it's wonderful. Jesus comes to this earth. He is the King of Kings. And He's the Son of Man as well. We can identify with Him. The flesh and bones going through the same trials and tribulations. Although not falling for them. And then you see in Mark, he introduces us to Jesus Christ as servant. As servant. So Jesus is king. Jesus is servant. And of flesh and bones like me and you. And all of this by demonstrating through his lineage. To show us in some sorts that... The Jesus that we see in the, in the scriptures is not just someone that showed up on earth, but something was prepared for him to come. That there were people that were chosen in that lineage to bring the Savior of the world. And then we see here in John today, where we're at in the Gospel of John, that John demonstrates the divinity of Jesus. That he's fully man as Luke demonstrates, but he's fully God as well. And he's like, me and you, imperfect, but perfect at the same time. That he knows what we might go through, but he, he carries the victory on his life. Nicodemus, an educated man of his time, comes to Jesus and says in John chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. You see, there's, uh, I grew up in church, and, and there's many kinds of churches. Eh? And what's, I, I love, what I, I love about this morning is that we prayed for all these different kinds of churches, you know. And sometimes you'll say, well, you know, there's a church for every type of person or whatnot. And beyond that, I think God calls you to a church. But, but too often, we, we associate ourselves with a church just because of our personality type. If, a bit, if I'm a bit more quiet or whatnot, I'll go to a Baptist church, and I'll praise God. It's okay during the worship. If I'm Pentecostal, I'll go to another kind of church and I'll praise God. I may, may even do a few laps around the room. You know, we, we <laughs> not this morning. Don't worry if you're new. We won't do this. We're not taking the snakes out. But we, we, we tend to, to navigate towards a community of Christians that resemble us, where we feel comfortable. I believe in this day and age, and I don't want to sound as if I'm, I'm over-speaking here, but I truly believe it deep in my guts that God is calling the church to unite and be, be something beyond a, a preference or a type of thing or kind of church, but be the church that reflects Jesus and the move of the Spirit in the church. Because you see, and... Again, it might sound cheesy, but we're not going to church. We are the church. Church isn't these four walls with these doors that are closed after five minutes because you'll disturb. No, church is you tomorrow at the gas station, at work, at school, with your family. We are 
the church and God is calling us for a complete system change. You know what's encouraging and incredible in this passage is that we see John demonstrating the divinity of Jesus through his signs and miracles. And I still believe that God works out signs and miracles. I don't know about you, but I need a miracle. Call my wife. She's like, David needs a miracle. He does. But I need a miracle. What's a miracle? An intervention from God in my life. I don't want to live this life just to live it. I want to live my life according to the one who created me and how he wants me to live it to the full potential. Alpha and beta. First point, alpha and beta. You see, in the, the computer world, if I could use that term, or IT, or I'm not too tech, but I've researched enough to know that when they create a new system or a new program or a new product, they have to go through a series of tests to see if it works well. And the first series of tests is alpha, logically alpha. And the series of tests, the first one is, is, is done by the creators of the program of the system, alpha done by the creators and the second series of tests is done by is beta it's done by the consumers of the product alpha the creators beta the consumers now there's this place in the passage called bethesda where we see a crowd of people and a pool bethesda means house of mercy it's a place where the lame the deaf, the blind, the sick meet up every week, week after week. Some even live there to the point where they actually they need that miracle. So desperate, the disabled of society, the dissatisfied by what they see and what they live. Those that are stuck in a condition where they know they're not called to be in. And they're here assembled around the pool at the house of mercy. But when we look at the passage and we, we read the passage, we can see that this man, this paralyzed man who's been paralyzed for 38 years, who's been lying around that pool with this crowd for a long, long time, experiences misery instead of mercy. This man is at the house of mercy but it seems more like the house of misery. Now the dominant thought at the time with these people was that in that pool, once in a while, you'd have an angel that would come down and stir the waters. And as soon as the waters would stir, the first person to jump into that pool would get healed. Now, obviously this man is paralyzed. It's easy to run to the pool if you're a mute or, or if you've got a broken arm or whatnot. But when you're paralyzed, you're there for a long time before you can access the miracle in your life. Imagine this man's fate. Imagine how he lives these moments every time when he, where he, he's, he's, he's dragging himself on the ground just to get to the pool, but then the others go run past by him. First come, first serve. It's a race from the crowd to this place where I want to access whatever God has for me. I want to access this miracle. I want to be fulfilled. Move out of the way. I'm getting to that pool. Now this man wants to surrender. 
but he isn't able to do it. He shows up. He's there. He's, he, he, he comes to the house of mercy because he needs mercy. He comes to the place where apparently a miracle can happen in his life and turn his life around. And he wants to surrender, but he's unable to. He can't get to it. Oh, next time I'll get there. Or oh, next time someone will, will carry me to the pool. But the man has no one to help him. This crowd is at the house of mercy, but no one is merciful. Have you ever experienced that? You expect to go somewhere where people will have grace and love and mercy for you, but you experience the opposite. At the house of mercy, but no one is merciful. It's great when you live these moments, just like you see this other story in the Bible where this paralyzed man as well is carried by his friends to Jesus. They rip out a rooftop and they, they bring him in. And the man experiences the miracle. But then you see a situation where this man is surrounded by a crowd at the house of mercy. But no one wants to help him. Nobody even looks at him. Can you imagine the perception this man has of the other people at the house of mercy? Can you imagine the perception he has of God? This is supposed to be the house of mercy. Now imagine... That this is this pool at the house of mercy. This pool that is probably tainted in our perception by disappointments or how we've been told God is or God works. Might even be tainted with the way that God has worked before in our lives. And it was a positive thing. But that's the only way we see God still limited with our experience. This pool could be seen through your wounds, your shortcomings. This, this pool can be simply a place where you put your hopes in for your career, your relationship, your family, your life. The hope of one more revelation from God from my life. This is where the man is at. He's laying there next to the pool for so long and and his perception of, of, of the hand of God and the, of God's presence here in this world is based on what he sees here at the pool. But then Jesus shows up. Isn't it incredible in the Word of God when, when you read and you always see a situation that's been going on for too long, but finally Jesus shows up. You might be here and you tell yourself, hey, you know what, I've been waiting for a long time and Jesus has never shown up. I show up week after week and Jesus still hasn't shown up. But Jesus always shows up at the perfect timing. Jesus is there, right next to the man. There's this whole crowd, but Jesus chooses this man. The, the, the creator of humankind, the, the savior of the world is there. The king of kings and this man can only see the pool. He's got Jesus next to him, but all he sees is the pool. Jesus asks one question. Do you want to be healed? It's, it's, 
Too often we want to complexify, if that could be a word, the way that God works. Because our problem is complex and we've placed it above God. Because we've been living with, with it for too long. And you see, this is what this man's going through right now. He's, he, he's, he's placed, not only is the fact that he's paralyzed, but this pool on a stool that's, in his mind, bigger than God, subconsciously. And, and, and Jesus could have been there. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? Jesus could have just shown up with a bright light just to, just to wake him up, say, hey, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I want to work in your life. No, he comes with the most obvious thing, the most simplest thing. When's the last time you expected God to work in the simplest way in your life? In the smallest details of your life? Do you want to be healed? And the man immediately doesn't answer the question. Instead, he does what Christians love to do. He complains. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You want to work in my life. But just a second here. The coffee was cold this morning. The guy at the parking lot didn't smile. I didn't get my seat. Roseanne is sitting in my seat. That's my seat. Um, it's the, the, the guy preaching this morning is French Canadian. I mean, if someone needs redemption. And the guy complains. Doesn't answer the question. He complains right away. It, 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 tells Jesus, hey, it's great that you're here. I know, like, it's crazy. It's like, it's as if you have a Tesla and Elon Musk shows up and wants to talk to you about the car and you're like, no, just wait a moment. I'm trying to figure out how to set up my, my, the, the clock on the, on the car. And he complains that no one is, help, is there to help him. What's awesome is that Jesus doesn't leave. I mean, I'd be insulted. I mean, I show up to help you, and you don't even consider me? And I'm trying to help you? You don't even consider the fact that I'm helping you? Jesus stays. Do you want to be healed? But look at the other people. I mean, this crowd is here. Most of them are hurt like I am. They should understand me. I know you're here, Jesus, but can't you see these people? If you look, if you look at the people in this place, you'll be disappointed. Automatically, I'm the first one. But if you look to Jesus, every time you show up to church, if you look to Jesus in every situation that you've got during the week, if you look to Jesus wherever you're at, in whatever situation you're at, you'll find your purpose for that place. If you look to people, you'll be disappointed. If you look to Jesus, you'll have a purpose. You see, we're, the church, me and you, we're not meant to be consumers, betas of what God has for us. We're meant to live what God has for us. We're not meant to simply look at Jesus and complain of what we don't have. We're meant to give God the whole space for Him to come in our lives and work miracles for our lives. God has a portion for you. God has a portion for Cornwall. This is the first time I come to Cornwall. I mean, I think I came when I was younger. Isn't there like a, a village where they got horses and buggies somewhere? Yeah? Okay. They don't have iPhones. But I came here when I was younger. St. Lawrence River, really beautiful. But I, I was 
driving in this morning, and I've got like this, my wife, it annoys her sometimes. Wherever I go, I'm like, oh man, we could plant 10 churches here. This is awesome. But then I came here and I was welcomed by, I forgot his name and I asked him twice. Great. Yes, Graham. It's good, you're there in the parking lot with a smile. Then I walked into church. Then Pastor Roy welcomed me. Then I, would, I was looking at you guys worshiping. And I'm not saying this because I'm being paid to say this. I'm not being paid, by the way. And I'm not saying this because I want to get some points while I'm speaking. But you can see the difference when you go in a gathering and when you go in a church. I know one thing. I walked into church this morning. The Spirit of God is moving. God is at work in this place. God's going to do great things in this city. This is only the beginning. Church 2. Point oh. You see, Jesus wants to heal this man. The creator of, this, of his body, of his soul, wants to heal him. But this man is still focused on this obsolete, outdated system that doesn't work. It hasn't been working for him. It has, but he's still there. He's still clinging on to that old obsolete system. He's still clinging on to the pool. I mean, that, that, that angel's going to come down again. And, and what's, what's crazy is that some scholars, I mean, it's not necessarily my belief, but it's a good, good angle here, though. But it, some scholars say that the bubbling in the water wasn't necessarily an angel. It was just some pipes blowing up some air. And people created this superstition that God could heal them. And I still do believe that through whatever we can see, whatever we go through, God does miracles. And even if this was superstition, God was still exerting miracles. But the angle here is that sometimes, or often, too often times, the way that God works in a situation is not the same way that He'll work in another situation. And we've taken the way He's done it across our whole lives as a superstitious how do you call it? Lapin. Is there any French? Yeah, a rabbit paw. You know, you hang, you hang it on your keychain. Rabbit foot. Yeah, paw foot. Thanks. And we, 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 we carry Jesus like a genie in a bottle. Because, yes, we've, he's worked evidently in our lives before. But we, we expect him to work in the same way. But how can God work in the same way if he's got greater things for us? How can God exert miracles? Miracles are impossible. It's the impossible that's challenged if we see it in the possible realm that's been done before. What's your pool? What's the pool in your life that you're focused on for your life to get better? Maybe you don't have the finances you thought you'd have at this point in your life. Maybe you don't have the relationship you thought you'd have with your children at this point in your life. And you've placed all your hopes, you've thrown it in that pool. Your career, your expectations, your thought, everything you've got, you've thrown it in that pool. Because it's worked before, but it's not working right now. You're paralyzed. Where are you stuck? What's that thing you're obsessed with that's ruminating through your mind day and night? That false hope that averts you from Jesus because you want that thing so much that you can't even see the one that's got more for you than this miracle. Last point, Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega. 
You see, Jesus came to overthrow, I would say not necessarily overthrow, but accomplish an old system of rules and laws. And when we read the scripture, it's not just to encourage us, it's to show us that we're living in this same reality today as well. It might look different, but it's the same. You might not be in a religious church, amen, but we all create our own morality and religion. We all tick our boxes to expect God to speak to us. We all think that reading the verse of the day on the Bible app, even though I haven't done it for a while, is going to enable me to actually kind of live a special moment of the worship with the Holy Spirit. We create our, 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 our sets of rules and morality in our subconscious, and, and we become what I call consumers of God instead of being inhabited by the power of the Holy Spirit in God. Alpha and beta, creator and consumers, but God is calling us to go to alpha and omega, people that look to the creator of the world, the savior of the world from beginning to end in everything we think, say, and do. You can say amen. You can say amen. And here he is, the alpha and the omega. As, as I might be here this morning as a beta here to consume because, and I'm not blaming you, I'm the first one to do it all the time. Here to consume what God has for me. God shows up, the Alpha and Omega, beginning and ending, and it, it just unraveling everything that He has for this world, bringing His kingdom to this world as in Cornwall, as in heaven. And Jesus comes to the house of mercy. Mercy in person shows up to the place of mercy. Heavenly mercy finds earthly misery. The pool which was near the temple was dedicated mostly to cleaning and washing the lambs that were meant to be sacrificed before God. They, they would take the, more, the most pure and spotless lamb to be sacrificed, but they would wash it before the sacrifice just to make sure it was perfect, a perfect sacrifice before God to gain His acknowledgement. But once and for all, Jesus shows up here on the scene to declare, this is obsolete. I am the pure and spotless lamb. Come to accomplish all these things once and for all. You don't have to take those boxes anymore to have access to me or what I have for you. The Bible says there's five colonnades with drapes that are surrounding the, the, the pool with the lame, the sick, the paralyzed lying under those colonnades. The number five symbolizing grace and Jesus showing up declaring a new era of grace. We are people in the era of grace today. The house of mercy. This is the house God's calling us to be as a church worldwide. You see, mercy is the feeling where someone else's misery comes and breaks your heart. You want to get healing or a miracle in your life? Start praying for someone else's miracle. You want to experience mercy from God? Start expressing mercy towards others. Psalms chapter 103, verse 8 to 13, describes this mercy that God's calling us to be. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger abounding in love he will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed your transgressions from you 
As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You see, these things are impossible to accomplish on our own, but like we see in this passage, mercy appears just when you need it. Mercy shows up just when you need it. If you know that this is not you, Jesus will show up in your life so that you can express it and live it for others. There's this whole crowd, like this morning, and Jesus chooses this specific man. This man. Out of the whole crowd. Why does he choose this man? What's the difference with this guy? You see, Christ engages the conversation with the first question, do you want to be healed? Jesus could have said, you're healed. Jesus could have given the order. He created the universe with simple words, and it came about. Do you want to be healed? You see, Jesus here engages this man with his desire. How much do you want it? You see, desire is the difference between you living and me living a life of status quo, punching, punch in, punch out, commute, work, eat, retire, hopefully go to heaven and sing the songs that I like. Desire is the difference between that and living a daring life that impacts the lives of others, that reflects the life of Jesus through you, that defies the impossible. So Jesus defies this man by, by engaging in his desire and then showing him, you see what you've been looking at, impossibility for your whole life. I will challenge it now. Get up. He's not saying you're healed, so now you can get up. No, he's asking him to take a step of faith and action before the miracle actually happens. That's crazy. Now you'd think God's going to do the whole work. No, God wants to engage with us. God wants to perform miracles in and through our lives, not just for our lives. Get up. And the man gets up. Jesus raised his expectation. What's this impossible thing in your life that you've been throwing in this pool for so long that you need to challenge within yourself? That you need to raise that expectation within you to think, hey, wait a minute, that thing isn't greater than my God. The Jesus that I knew is still the same today and has even greater things for me. What's this, what's this challenge you need to put yourself in your mind to, to challenge this thing that's blocking you from seeing Jesus work in your life? And he invites this man to take a step of faith. And maybe you're here this morning. And you see, a step of faith is out of the question. You have no strength to take that step. It takes a lot of risk to take a step. But you know what? If you really study the Word of God, a step, a step of faith is not a step into the unknown or the darkness or, or what you cannot accomplish and maybe you'll make it. A step of faith is a step in the light of he who is the light. A step of faith is a step on the word of the one who's created this world. And this man gets up and takes his step of faith. I believe it's because within him, he heard the voice of his creator. Can you hear the voice of your creator this morning? This is your time. There's this story of a young boy. Now, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it serves well in my message today, so... I'll just tell it. This young boy's in a building two, three stories high. And, and the building's on fire. The flames are, are, are bursting. And there's this whole crowd at the foot of the building. And they're screaming out, just jump. We'll catch you. 
don't stay there you'll die but the boy stays in the building he doesn't jump and and they keep on screaming and shouting they're trying everything just to show him they can, he can trust them but he doesn't jump and he stays in that burning building until the moment where there's this this man that shouts out jump I'm gonna catch you oddly enough it's it's a phrase that was said before but when this guy says it the boy jumps and the crowd celebrates and rejoices the boy is saved and this man walks up to the man that caught this boy and says hey wait a minute we've been shouting and screaming for half an hour you would never jump why, why did he jump in your arms and the man says that's because I'm, I'm the boy's father he knows my voice he recognizes my voice I, I, I mean he might have waited for a long time in that burning building but when I showed up he recognized my outstretched arms that caught him before Alpha and Omega the same Jesus that you've met when you, you, you learned that he was crucified for you is the same one that has outstretched hands for you where you're at now in your life Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end and you might have seen the beginning and you're not seeing the end right now but I want to declare on your life that through him it is finished on the cross he said it is finished I am the beginning I am the end I will dictate how your story will end I will dictate how this church will shine in this city how our story will end as the church in this world God will dictate things and I, I don't know about you but I want to abandon myself to that I, I don't want to just live a status quo life I want to live a life where I am, where I'm called, but through God and through what He has for me. I want to invite you to stand up with me as we end this service. As, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here today, and I, I spoke about this pool, but if you could just grasp this image in your mind of of this pool and, and this paralyzed man. and What's paralyzing you today from being who God's calling you to be? From having this proximity with Him and your relationship with Him? What have you thrown in that pool over the years that you haven't seen come to fruition? Maybe this superstition I was talking about, about this religion we create in our minds has been the church. Maybe you've, maybe you've seen the church and and any relationship with God you can have as this pool, that unattainable pool that you have to go through. Maybe you've been hurt by this crowd, the church around you. And the house of mercy has been more of the house of misery for you. But today, God shows up. This is the house of mercy in Jesus' name. Jesus is with us and He wants to work in your life. As eyes are closed, heads are bowed, I just want to pray for you. First of all, if you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, this is my prayer for you. Lord God, I want to invite you to stretch your hands to heaven right now. Just stretch your hands outward to heaven in this moment. Don't think about anybody else, anything else, what you're going to go through this week or whatnot, what you've been through. Just think about this moment. Jesus is here with you. Lord God, I want to pray for each and every one of us, Lord Jesus, as you're standing here with us. Help us realize that you are with us in our everyday lives. And your hands are outstretched and 
the miracle power that we know of is still at work for us, Lord God. We want to be the church that you are calling us to be for this, this lost and broken world, oh God. Help us to be the house of mercy. I thank you, Lord, for the graciousness that you'll pour out through these people here at Cornwall as vessels of your grace, your mercy, your compassion, your love for each people around them. And Lord God, thank you for the miracles that you will perform in each one's lives according to what you know of them, Lord God. We surrender ourselves to you, to the Holy Spirit in our lives and your power for your glory. And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to do a last prayer. You might be here this morning and you're like, man, I don't get, any, I don't get anything out of this. I came here because my friend invited me, but or I've been coming here for a while. But you know that God's tucking at your heart right now. What you've heard this morning might have been good or it might be the worst thing you've heard, but you know one thing, you felt what we call the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart and at work in your soul. The Bible teaches that if you don't have this relationship with the Jesus I spoke about today, you are without hope and you've probably felt this hopeless life. God's calling you today to the planet He has for your life this salvation that he has for you. So I'll, I'll count to three. On the count of three, as eyes are closed, heads are bowed, I'll invite you to raise your hand just so I could pray with you. But at the count of three, one, Jesus lived this perfect life on this earth so that we could live it through him. He died on the cross bearing the weight of our sins and, and, and was raised from the dead to conquer death so that it has no more meaning for us. He becomes our meaning in our life. And two, the Bible teaches us to seize the moment where you're at right now, you got nothing to lose, man. God's calling you. Catch his hand. He loves you so much. He's got a life for you. The life you were meant to live. And three, raise your hand where you're at right now. Wherever you're at. While eyes are closed, heads are bowed. I see your hand, brother. God sees you. Amen. I see hands in this place. God, I see another hand. God sees you, brother. God sees you. Amen. If this whole service was simply for you, he would have done it. Amen. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed. We're going to pray with you if you raise your hand, but the whole church is going to pray because this is a house of mercy and we already love you. So repeat after me, church. Lord Jesus. And let's say it with conviction, church. Lord Jesus, I come here before you. I recognize that you are the Son of God. That you have died on the cross for my sins lived a perfect life so I can live it through you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love and power in my life now. From this day on, I will walk with you by your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give the glory to God this morning for all he's done and he's going to do? Hey, if you raise your hand, just quickly, quickly, at the end of the service, we've got a team with black t-shirts on. Just head on over to them. they got a gift for you. they got a Bible. And they might even want to pray with you. We don't want to leave you alone in this. We're here with you. And can we just thank God again for these lives that were changed this morning? Amen. Shout Jesus from the mountain.